Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves children's books. I'm Heather Kaufman Peters. I'm the mother of one adult boy, a preschool teacher, and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozanet. I'm the mom to two boys, a middle school teacher, a former homeschooler, and a writer. Welcome to episode 66, the episode in which Heather decided that we should revisit the pandemic. Because why, Heather? Why? This was Heather's choice, <laughs> not mine. Let it be stated. Let it be done. Why, Heather? Why? For therapy, maybe? I don't know. Honestly, I picked this topic because I really wanted to read Res Dogs. So that's why, mostly. Um, All I can say is the phrase, too soon, girl. Too soon. I'm just saying. It was too soon. <laughs> all right. It's, it's, too, it's too soon. But oh well, it's all right. Because I actually read, I read some good books. So I'm okay with that. I know. And they were short reads, which is what we really need this time of the year right now. Because we're a little bit crazy. A little bit overwhelming, right? <laughs> I know normally we spend a lot of time chatting at the beginning. But I think we might want to just get to the books for two reasons. One, the book I read was fantastic. I'm like in this love haze over it. I just keep thinking about it. It makes me so happy. And then two, we have travel plans and you know how it goes around here. I still have lists. I have lists and then lists of things that I should have done yesterday that I didn't do and lists of things I have to do today and tomorrow. And so it's crazy. And I think one other number three is yeah. that you're about to get blown away by tornadoes. So we need, there to, get is that. We need to get this recorded. I love the fact that we're always like battling um, <laughs> hurricanes on my end or tornadoes on your end. Either I'm going to lose power because there's a giant windstorm and gales coming through or you're going to get blown away by a tornado on the Great Plains. <laughs> Keep it real. That's what we do. Yeah. And then I was just reading an article about how tornadoes are going to get increasingly worse. And it just makes me feel uh, a little bit terrified. <laughs> I, I think that's already happening. Yeah. I know. I have to say, is. I'm very happy to live in a place where we don't really have tornadoes. And they did have one a few years ago on Cape Cod, and they're still talking about it. And I think it blew over two lawn chairs. So <laughs> I was like, um, they were like, no, we had a tornado. We did. We have tornadoes. We had one on Cape Cod. And I'm like, yeah, I was here for it. Literally, it was a windy day. Come on now. <laughs> like, I grew up in Iowa. Let me tell you a thing or two about tornadoes. Oh my. Hurricanes and tornadoes kind of cause the same anxiety, though, because just that howling wind. And you can't do anything. You can't hide from it. You can't run. You can't hide. I know. On Instagram yesterday, it was the best reel. And it was titled, When Midwesterners Hear the Tornado Warning. And there's a guy that, like, the tornado warning's going off. He goes out in front of his garage. He puts out a lawn chair. He grabs his cup of coffee. And he sits there. And I was like, that is 1,000% true. My grandma used to do that. I even remember doing that as a kid. Like, oh, the tornado's at my... Or my parents would be like, you guys get to the basement. And they'd be out on the porch watching. <laughs> That's good. Let's I get like the basement. it. Wait, wait, what? I am not going to be an orphan with these two brothers. No, 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 no. Get down in the basement with me or we're all dying together. I lived in Kansas for a while and you start to recognize the signs. And when the sky gets like a weird shade of green, yes. really green, you're like, uh-oh. And then you kind of watch the clouds, how they're forming. And it gets quiet. You know, that yes. weirdo, like dead oh, quiet. You're like, Creepy uh -oh. quiet. Yes. It's so scary. Where I live now, we sometimes get them to the north of us. And so I'm always staring out my kitchen window like, oh, yeah, those clouds don't look good up there. It's crazy, right? But uh, but you have to stand there and watch. Oh, like, you have I still to. better watch. Yeah. And I'll go back and forth. I'll look out the front because I want to make sure it's not actually headed towards our area. And then I'll look at the back just because I can see further out that way. So I'm like constantly 
running back and forth in my house looking out. We're, we're basically old farm ladies now. Oh, totally. totally. So anyway, I suppose maybe we should get started. I guess so. Before you blow away, we better go before <laughs> you blow away. All right. All right. Uh, let's get started. All right. Welcome to the book chat. As we mentioned earlier, we read books that were set during the pandemic. Um, I know Margie was worried about it being too soon, but my, I really think mine was kind of therapeutic, I have to say, especially because it focused more on the lockdown than the actual pandemic. And it kind of set aside health problems caused by the pandemic and instead looked at disruption caused by it. I don't know, Margie, what did you think? Was it worth it to read it? Well, I read both of them because I'm an overachiever and I never overachieve. So there you go. But I also feel like I totally agree because they both of both of the books looked at um kind of the not the positive side, but sort of like the coming together at the beginning of the pandemic, instead of sort of like what we have left in our mind is like the mask wars, the the vaccine wars and all that. It kind of took a better look at the beginning of things when we did sort of unify as as a world, basically, to sort of fight this unseen monster, which is kind of nice to remember that, oh, there was a good part before it got so, so ugly. So I think that's good. Um, why don't you tell us about yours first? Tell us about Res Dogs. You've been dying to read this. You've been oh talking God. about this book forever. I have actually owned it for quite a while. I love this book. Okay, so I read Res Dogs by Joseph Bruchak. And um, since you read it too, we can dig into it, but let me give a quick summary first. Okay, Res Dogs was written by our well-known Indigenous children's author, Joseph Bruchak. It came out in 2021, which crazy quick turnaround since the pandemic started just a little bit over a year before it. So I say kudos to the author and the publisher. It's wonderful. Um, the story is about Malian, a Wabanaki girl who is visiting her paternal grandparents on the reservation when COVID-19 hits. Wait, I'm going to stop you right there. Did you ever figure out where this reservation is, where she is? Could have been in New York. Oh, maybe it was upstate New York. Okay. I yeah, think yeah, it yeah. was upstate. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think it's set in upstate New York on a reservation. And she's forced to stay there for the lockdown away from her parents, friends, and school in Boston. So right. we're on the East Coast mostly. Um, during her time there, a local dog named Malsum shows up and befriends Malian and stands guard over the family, keeping anyone away that comes to the house, which I thought was a very charming part of the story. He literally makes sure they social distance because he won't let anyone come to the house. It's so cute. While staying with her grandparents, Malian has limited access to the internet, which she uses to kind of log into her classes and keep up on her schoolwork and also watch Netflix shows with her grandparents, which I love. They watch Star Trek The Next Generation. Know, right? Oh my gosh, it made me love her and her grandparents even more as if I didn't anyway. But And Malian is told by her parents that she has this special privilege during this time of keeping and caring for her grandparents, which is kind of a nice uh opportunity. and uh, But most importantly, during the lockdown, Malian is learning more about her family history and indigenous culture from her grandparents. She learned that both of her grandparents were taken away from their families at a young age and sent to Indian school. Uh, so she learns more about that. And she also hears more about how her mother was taken away from her family by social services because they were poor. And she was adopted out by a nice white couple who actually tried to help her find her tribe and brought her to the reservation to visit. And that's when she eventually met Malian's father, who was fortunate to have stayed with his parents, the grandparents that Malian's visiting with now. So uh, there's a lot of like 
kind of a dark family history and interesting um, backstory for the whole family from that, that Malian's getting to learn more about. And from her grandparents, she also hears these fantastic creation stories and animal stories from the Wabanaki tradition, which were just fascinating. Honestly, the whole book felt like you were just sitting around the campfire and listening to these wise elders telling you the most beautiful stories. I loved it so much. Oh, I felt like I was totally in their little house. Oh, yeah. I was sitting there with them in their little house. We were all locked down together. I, it was, it's very, and it's the biggest part you didn't mention yet. It's written in verse. Oh, yes. I forget to say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's written in verse. It's funny because I was like, I wonder how this is going to go because it's written kind of like a short story in verse, but yet you get so much out of it. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. The Wabanaki stories fit so beautifully in the format. It's just, oh. and like I said, the focus of this book is more on the lockdown than the pandemic. So you don't really get into the ugly stuff. It's more that like Margie was saying, the stuff at the beginning that was sort of like people coming together and trying to stop the spread and to protect uh, elderly people. And because of that, a lot of the themes in this book were more about like representation. I thought it was really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And understanding your history and strengthening bonds with the people you were with. That time kind of gave everyone who wasn't suffering with illness, obviously, time to slow down and be with the people we love. And I mean, honestly, the whole thing just felt like a big hug to me. I just, oh, I just wanted to be there. I wanted to be snacking with them and eating a fry bread and petting the sweet medicine dog. And it was just amazing. Marie, what did you think of it? I really liked it. Um, I think that you had a closer relationship to the book because you have that sort of relationship with your grandparents. I, I think it's very reminiscent of the of the relationship that you had with your own grandparents. Yes. I did not like it as much as you did, but I oh, did like it. Oh, okay. I needed a little bit more and I realized it was in verse, but I feel like I just needed a little bit more. I wanted to a little bit more climax. There wasn't a lot of plot in the yeah. book. It was more just spending time with them. Yeah, exactly. It was more like it almost kind of had a more of a more of a memoir feel to it. Yeah. Which I guess is maybe that was the intention. Um, I think it's an interesting look back. I think mm -hmm. that's a side of that I didn't consider. Like we were all locked in our house somewhere along the line. She was locked in with her grandparents. I do wish we would have heard more about the parents and why she couldn't go home. I wanted to know a little bit more about that as well. Well, she did go home as soon as like summer hit, right? Once the shelter in place was lifted. Yeah. Yeah. She went Which home Which I will say Boston was really late to do that as well, too. We were really, we were one of the last places in the country to do that. So. So I think they just decided to wait and she was probably figured she was safer there. I'm sure her parents probably thought that too. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I didn't really... Think about that too much because like in our home, we really didn't go anywhere for quite a while. So it just felt kind of natural like, oh, well, she was already there. So she just stayed there. But it was kind of sad because she missed her parents. And I think that would have been hard. Like from a parent perspective, you would have yes, been like. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I would have been like, oh my God, you. there's my baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would have wanted my baby. That's true. I, I really like it. I think that what I really like most about it, though, is that there's so many times that people forget that the entire Northeast had a gazillion different tribes. Oh, yeah. And they were really important to the formation of this country in what we know it is now or, you know, like from the Wampanoag, the, the Algonquins, all of that, that sort of the upper upper Northeast and the New England um, wood tribes are hugely important. And I think it was really great to see them highlighted. So often we see the Southwest or we see the like South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, the Upper Plains. 
So I think it was cool to see the representation um, from the eastern side, you know, from the eastern seaboard. They have a really, really rich history. My kids did a project on it a few years ago. And then uh, it's a pretty prominent, obviously, we live here, so it's a pretty prominent topic in a lot of their classes as well. So I think it's, it was great to see that. I love the stories. I really like the bits of mythology that are put in there. Why do you think you loved it so much? You're probably right. I love the grandparents part of it, for sure. And the time that she got to spend with them and the dog. Those are all your favorite things grandparents and dogs in a book and you're you're done and then put it in verse and some star trek in there i was like true story um this could be made for you (laughs) i know but you are right there wasn't a lot of plot or climax or um anything kind of outside that was threatening them there were hints at different things but nothing ever really happened but honestly to me it kind of feels like what we were asking for because of everything that everyone went through with the pandemic. I didn't want like social services to take her away, which has a tiny little part in this story. I didn't want her grandparents to get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I could not have handled that. You know, there was there were a lot of turns this story could have taken, but it didn't. And it just felt like a nice quiet, happy read that focused on that lockdown time when you really got to know the people you were with, which was bad for some people maybe, but good for others. I also think it was interesting note, uh, Joseph Bruchak has a sister named Marge Bruchak, and she is also a children's book author. And she had written a historical fiction picture book about a time in the um, tribe's history, and it's called Malian's Song. And it came out in 2006. So I thought it was kind of a nice, like he had paid tribute to that by naming his main character Malian as well. My brothers would never do that. I know. I was like, well, so nice. either he's paying tribute or he just stole it he's from stealing her. idea. <laughs> <laughs> now that my brothers would do that. My brothers would be like, yeah. oh, you made money off that? I'm going to steal that right from you. But the idea that this brother-sister team is trying to record stories from their perspective and from indigenous families' perspectives, I think is awesome. So. It was just that kind of nice, quiet, happy read, like sitting around the campfire, listening to interesting stories. Because of that, I think it would make like a great story to read in the classroom because it's really short. Yeah, definitely. And it's really easy to understand. Oh, yeah. And also it opens up a lot of interesting uh, discussion about uh, history and Native American history. Uncomfortable realities, which I think was really nice. Yeah. But it was handled in such a gentle way. I mean, the whole thing very handled really well. Anyway, so that was Res Dogs by Joseph Bruchak. And Margie, what did you read? And by the way, I actually listened to it this morning. Because you just can't let me have my own. That's what it is. <laughs> you have control issues. You have control issues. Just let it be said. Let it be done. That's all right. Well, I understand. When I saw the I'll audio version was only two hours, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to it. Well, the book's only like, what is it, like 150 pages or something? It's tiny. It's, yeah, it's like, it's like 120 pages. So it's a quick read. Um, I read Don't Stand So Close to Me. And of course, now you're going to sing that song. It's sort of like um, that when we read The Planet Earth is Blue and I sang David Bowie for like two months. And then every time I see it on this shelf, I still sing David Bowie. Now you're going to sing The Police because I'm saying Don't Stand So Close to Me. Thank you, Sting. So yes, it's by Eric Walters. And it actually came out in the end of 2020. I can't believe that. That's crazy that he cranked he it out. He blew that thing right out of the water. Yeah, that was fast. That was really fast. But it really does only cover the first maybe month or two of the of the whole 
pandemic. And maybe I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe it's only the first month. The nice thing about this book is that it's a really nice record of exactly what happened. I thought so. In 10 years, some kid can pick up this book and be like, holy cow, and have a good feeling for exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need too. That did occur to me when I was reading this book. I said, one of the things about the pandemic books, pandemic literature, is that we go back and look at like books on the plague, books on AIDS, books on any Mm -hmm. giant thing. They sort of get a better handle on what actually happened to the people that were involved in it. And I feel like this is one of those books that needs to stand the test of time so that it can be a record of that time. All right, so let me get into it. So Quinn is an eighth grader and she lives with her mom, who is a banker, and her dad, who is an emergency room doctor. The the very beginning, they're at school, just a regular day in eighth grade and um, just kind of planning the school dance because it's the end of eighth grade. And when it's, you know, it's March, obviously. And pretty soon the end is coming. The eighth graders are going to move on. We have to have a nice, beautiful woo-woo moment to make everybody happy. And it's almost spring break. So everybody's kind of a little bit excited and ready for this to happen. They call a special assembly and the kids find out that they're actually getting an extended spring break, which they think is really great, except for Quinn. Quinn's neighbor and her friend Isaac, who's the class clown, thinks it's awesome. But then Quinn is like, wait a minute, I'm going to tell you what my dad's been seeing in the emergency room. And then she starts to draw a diagram to kind of explain to them, this is how this spreads. And we're trying to flatten the curve. And I like that he used a lot of the terminology Uh that was also really common too, like flattening the curve and social distancing. So Quinn kind of explains that to Isaac. And then everybody gets a little bit freaked out. They go home. And they're going to have an extended spring break. So, you know, just like everybody else, we still, we, we couldn't go to school and we couldn't go a lot of places, but we still went to the beach. We went for walks. We rode our bikes, you know, and everything was fine. And then Quinn and Isaac and then their friend Reese, they take a bike ride. Reese says, my grandma always makes cookies. Let's go. My grandma's making cookies. And when they get to her long-term care facility, because her grandmother is at the beginning stages of dementia, it's locked down and they're not allowed to go in. And that's when it sort of hits the kids like, whoa, something big is going to happen. Like something big is going on. And right after that, then um, everybody's locked down. And that's when no one can leave their house. That's when... Quinn and Isaac start to uh, yell at each other from across their driveways. Luckily, they live next to each other. Isaac's pretty much on his own, which is really hard, but it was very true as well. And I wish we would have gotten a little bit more from Isaac's point of view because his mom is the chief of police. And so she's also very busy. She is just as busy as Quinn's dad, sort of keeping every, making sure that all of these rules are being followed so that we can do this. Quinn's dad then moves into the basement and she doesn't see him for a long time. He moves into the basement because it has a separate end entrance and a shower and everything. And that way he wants to keep them safe, which again is what so many people that worked in the medical field ended up doing. She makes references to, you know, his base being damaged by the mask. They make references to like uh, running out of PPE, all the stuff that we we saw firsthand. So I think it's really great to have that record. Um, This sort of drones on and on. And then we start this horrible Zoom school. Reese's parents are both teachers. Quinn's mom is constantly working online because she's trying to run a bank from her spare bedroom. Dad is always at the emergency room. So Quinn and Isaac have a lot of time together and they're miserable with Zoom classes as we all were, weren't we now? So the big thing that they figure out too is that they're going to end their middle school career in this like totally unconventional way and never really get to say goodbye to each other when they all go to their separate high schools the next year and uh, leave middle school forever. That's a really depressing and sad idea. But Quinn kind of comes up with an idea and her dad says, you know, if you see a problem, you always fix it. So this is a problem and why don't you fix it? And she does. And she comes up with a plan to organize a street dance. I just love this part of the whole book. She organizes a street dance for the entire eighth grade. They make giant circles on the street that you can't go outside of your circle. And they have like all the people in the neighborhood sort of help to make this happen. And they only play songs. 
Like, don't stand so close that to me. That playlist was the best part of the whole thing. They were so funny, right? They made like all these apropos, shall we say, apropos songs. It was really a great little book. It's a nice little book. Again, like what you're saying. Yes, it was a horrible time. Yes, we all went through this. Yes, we. her father was keeping her abreast of like, that things were getting worse, but he wasn't really sharing what he was seeing with her. So we didn't get that shared with us because we only saw what Quinn saw. The same way with uh, Isaac's mom. She was getting some, you know, she was getting some issues as well, but we didn't see that because she didn't bring that home to Isaac. So we didn't have to see that. We kind of saw this whole beginning of the pandemic and the lockdown, not from our jaded, fearful adult viewpoint, but from this is what the kids were going through. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is exactly what it looked like to be a kid at that time. It was a little PTSD-ish. I, I got to say, it was a little bit. This one definitely brought back some feelings of anxiety. Yeah, Yeah, I could feel the anxiety rising. But honestly, because it has a very cathartic and sweet ending, like I got a little teary eyed at the very end. Yeah. You know, obviously, only people who experienced it are going to feel that level of anxiety reading it. But for future generations to have the historical record of what kids did to try to get through this time period, I think is amazing. You know, Eric Walters is a therapist. You definitely can see that it was written in sort of like very gentle, very kind, but also very honest. You know, the whole thing was very honest as well. Both books were really like that. They were very age appropriate in handling it, but also very honest. And I think both of these would be great for younger kids, younger middle grade. I think Don't Stand So Close to Me was even listed as lower middle grade. Yeah, even though she is 13, it still feels like it's totally fine and totally appropriate for younger audience. Yeah, the writing in both of them is attainable for. I would say third, fourth, fifth graders. And then there are also quick reads on top of that. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I really, really liked it. For, you know, considering the topic. (laughs) (laughs) We survived it. (laughs) We survived it considering the topic. It didn't add to your anxiety on top of everything else that's going on right now. (laughs) No, it didn't. You know what it did? I have to say the one thing that it brought back that we had the ability to come together and then everybody had to get angry. I know, right? And then we lost it. So that kind of is like, oh, why do we suck? Why do we suck as humanity? And obviously, that's all they had to focus on in these books because they were written so quickly into the pandemic. It was a scary time, but it was also an interesting time because people were coming up with creative ways to still stay in touch and watch out for each other and protect each other. Yeah. And Quinn gets all the kids to make uh, masks in her Zoom class, which I thought like that was totally true. You know, all those things happen. I thought it was cute at the dance. They had a mask contest, right? For whoever had the best mask. I thought that was really cute too. It was really fun. It was a nice book. They were both nice books. Finally, we got to have some nice, happy, happy books for once. Happy within reason. I know, considering they were about the pandemic, they were both pretty happy books. All right. Well, that wraps up our book chat. Margie and I both read Res Dogs by Joseph Bruchak and Don't Stand So Close to Me by Eric Walters. And now, because our to-do lists are a little overwhelming this week, we're going to end the podcast here. Um, I think the skies are clearing up also, so my tornado threat might be over. We hope that you're either out there recovering from an awesome spring break or gearing up to go on a great one. So cheers until next time. Uh, speaking of that, Margie, what's on deck for our next episode of Two Lit Mamas? Next episode, we're reading short story collections. Heather's reading The Ice Cream Machine by Adam Rumid, and I'm reading The Hero Next Door by a series of art of authors. So if you are following the Two Lit Mamas reading challenge at home, you can read your own favorite short story collection. And there is a lot more out there. Um, there's a lot more than you think. I know, for middle grade, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you can't find them that readily, but once you start looking, you find it kind of opens the door to a lot of them. 
The We Need Diverse Books publishers have several that uh, have a lot of diverse authors. I'm reading one off of that list as well. Just FYI. And remember, if you like what you've heard on Tulip Mama's podcast, leave us a review or share us. We'll love you forever. Um, We won't love you, though, if it's a bad review. But, you know, that's all it is. That's all I'm just saying. If you want to join us twice a month for kidlet discussions, please subscribe to the Tulip Mama's podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on TWO Lit Mama's podcast on Instagram, TWO Two Lit Mama's on Facebook, and of course, on our website, www.twolitmamas.com. Have a great spring break. Bye. Bye.